Thank you, Terry, for sharing that. She is way more personable than me. And uh, uh, Terry actually was uh, like, it seems like a lot of times wives are a little more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and uh, kind of feel things or hear things first. Uh, I, like I said uh, before, I grew up in a Christian home. I was a foster kid, but then when I was seven from that time, grew up in a Christian home, learned a lot of Bible verses. I, I, I love God. I knew about God. I was I, I memorized hundreds of Bible verses, and um, I remember the first experience that I had uh, with with a group of people that were filled with the Holy Spirit or charismatic, and this, this church was probably Pentecostal, but we were on vacation, and so my family had, um, we had eight kids, a couple dogs, and a big station wagon, and we'd go on vacation and go camping and pull the trailer, and my brother and I uh, would sleep in the pup tent outside. Uh, but we went to visit this church because it was Sunday, and you go to church on Sunday, even on vacation. And so we visited this little Pentecostal church uh, near Mount Hermon in California. And uh, we went in there, and the whole family went in. I'm sure they noticed us. They were going, oh, my goodness. And so during the, the song time, they started getting a little bit more excited than what we were used to as kids. And and uh, then they started talking in this funny language, and then they started kind of yelling in this funny language. And then uh, somebody went over to my, to my dad and mom and just started prophesying or praying over them in the spirit or something. And we were, I think I was about 10, and we were going like this. <laughs> and we had no idea. And so, I mean, we weren't scared or anything. It was just, it was just different and, uh, than we were used to. And, and my dad was a pastor, and he was very gracious. And I remember getting in the car. We're all sitting in there, and he's sitting there. We're just ready. He hadn't turned the key on yet, and he goes, I just don't get it. He goes, I don't mind that they worship God that way. He goes, but I just, I don't like that attitude of we've got it and you don't. And he just, it never, it, it, it never rung true with him. Well, all eight of his kids eventually became filled with the Spirit and charismatic or Pentecostal. And, and uh, he never did. And he, he retired and, he, and then he worked for a couple of large churches in Denver. And um, I remember he was working for one, uh, one large church. And they called him Pastor Stan. He taught a Bible study. And these, these guys were way uh, charismatic church. And um, so my dad got prostate cancer. And he, you know, and shook him up a bit, and and uh, so he he goes, well, these people believe in healing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up there and get prayer for healing. So they called people forward. So all across the whole, the whole uh, sanctuary, they had people lined up, and this pastor was going down and praying for people, and they were one by one falling down like this. And I know my dad. I know he was. Having, I wasn't there, but I, he told me the story, and I know he's going like this. I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna fall. The next thing. He looks up from the ground at the ceiling, and um, he went back to the doctor, and he was totally free of prostate cancer. So my dad never did, quote, unquote, get filled with the Spirit, but he never said anything to us kids after that point. He never said anything else, and uh, he saw the fruit of God working in our lives. So Terry said, we started going to this church uh, when we were... We had left this other church, started going to this church. She wanted to go. I didn't want to go. My life was actually out of order right then. And I knew there was things that I needed to straighten up in my life. And uh, I was in school to become a teacher. And, and we, had, 
one child and another one on the way. And uh, I, I remember going in this church, which is, uh, I've, they're friends with us now. It's this church is called Southlands. And uh, we went in there and we were just young married. And, and I opened up their brochure. Actually, it was a few weeks. We didn't raise our hand. You know, sometimes people are too embarrassed to say, I'm a visitor. I don't want to say it. I'm a visitor. And so finally, I raised my hand to get the visitor packet because there was a coupon for a free donut. And so I finally said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get the donut. And so I opened up this thing. And, uh, and uh, it says in there, we're going to open up a Christian school uh, on the fall of 1981. I know it's a long time ago. Uh, there was color in those days. They had already invented color. It was, you know, it was pretty normal. And, and um, so I leaned over to Terry, and I had just decided I'm not going to teach in a Christian school. They don't pay very well. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm going to teach in public school. And, and, uh, and we, we made, this is a big decision that we had worked through, and I was only a year away from graduation. And and uh, uh, this thing said the fall of 81. I leaned over to, to Terry. It was actually about two years ahead of time. And I said, I'm going to teach here in this school in the fall of 1981. And the woman of faith that she is, she's whispering. You know, we're in church. She's whispering to me. No, you're not. She goes, you know that if you teach at this school, you have to be filled with the Spirit. And I went, you know, just like sunk a little bit like this. And she goes, you have to lay hands on, on kids so that they'll be healed. And I went, mm, like this. And she goes, you got to get your life in order. And I mean, she's just like, and I just sat there and I said, well, I think that's going to happen. In the fall of 1981, actually, I did teach in that school uh, for my first year of teaching. And, um, but it wasn't long after that, that we had our daughter, our second child, and um, they had baby dedications, and so they would do them once a month, and usually there was 10 or 12 couples up there with a baby. This was a, a, a young church. When we started, there was 500 people, and five years later, there was 2,800 adults every week. And so there was growing. It was exciting. It was a great place to be, and uh, so we were up there holding our daughter, and our little boy had already been dedicated, and... Um, they went around and started praying for us. And during this time, I had heard some teachings. Now it had been about six or eight months we had been at this church. I heard some teachings on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's actually in the Bible. Jesus actually said it. And um, so uh, uh, a guy named Harold Bredesen, he's kind of a famous guy, uh, knowing about the Holy Spirit, he had come and talked to us, and he said, listen, you don't have to be afraid of what, all that God wants to give you. He wants to give you all of him. And, and uh, when you buy a pair of shoes, the tongues come with it. You know, it's just part of the package. And, you know, and, uh, he's, you know he, talked, he talked to us about uh, desiring. And if you ask, if you ask he's going to give that to you. And, and we as earthly parents, we want to give good gifts to our kids. How much more the Heavenly Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And, so uh, they came around and prayed, and one of the pastors, and it turned out to be Jesse Mason, uh, our pastor for many years, he laid his hands on me, my eyes were closed, but he said, Lord, fill him with the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, although I had been saved for many years, and I loved God and I believed in God, uh, I, I said, yes, Lord, I, I received that. I, I really want all you have to offer. And um, 
a peace flooded me, but there was nothing spectacular. Uh, I did want to speak in my heavenly language. I did want to do that. Uh, we didn't teach that you have to speak in your heavenly language to be uh, sure that you're full of the Holy Spirit because the Bible doesn't say that. doesn't say that. Uh, but the, it is one of, the, uh, one of the evidences many times in the New Testament when people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so um, I was a waiter at that time, and I think I was doing my fifth year of college that, to do my student teaching that year, but I was doing waiting tables at night, which was a horrible job. You get home at 1, 1.30 in the morning, and so you're all wound up, you can't sleep, so I get home. And I pull out my Bible, read my Bible, and I say, God, I, I believe that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to I wanna speak in my heavenly language. And um, so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you right now, and I'm not going to praise you in English. And so I'm not going to say another word until I speak to you in my heavenly language. You know how long that... 12 seconds was right there. Just think about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> like this. Then all of a sudden, I just hear this little something or a nothing in my ear, and I go, no, no, that's like, I rebuke that. That's, that's, that's me. I'm making that up. And, and God goes, why would I give you something that you asked for? Why would I let the, you know, the devil give you something? And so I began to speak in my heavenly language. I want to tell you that instantaneously, before they had thumb drives, God downloaded, put something in my brain, all this revelation and love, just unbelievable love for, for the Lord and intimacy and started to get revelation on things and understanding on things and understand where I stood before him and that there's things in my life that I need to get in order and, and, and I want to please him and I wanted to do it. I didn't have to, I wanted to and, and um, began to get insight on, on scripture verses that I was reading and and just developed this love relationship with God. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. It was amazing. And that was my introduction into uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, in the few minutes that we have here, I just want to give you a little bit of a background, actually, on, on the Holy Spirit. So we have a PowerPoint, and we'll see how far we get. I'm not sure how far we're going to get, but um, I, I really believe that most Christians are not living in the fullness of God's grace, his promised help, or the abundant life that Jesus spoke about. I honestly believe that most Christians are not believing in this grace that God's promised us. But I think it's about time that we did. Don't you? I really think it's about time we did. Um, I, I shared the other night about Charlie Brown. So... Uh, I really like Charlie Brown, and he, he's talking about living a blah life, and Lucy's on, you know, on his case about you're a blah, and you need to marry a blah girl, and maybe you'll have some blah kids, and then maybe they'll grow up and have blah lives. And Charlie Brown goes, ah, I like this, but nobody wants to live a blah life. Everybody wants the fullness yeah. of what God uh, provides. And so I honestly think that too many believers are living their life trying to go up a down escalator. You ever tried that? It's possible, but it takes a lot of work. And, and you're running and running. You feel like your whole life, you're barely getting anywhere, and then you collapse. You're tired. You collapse in a miserable heap, and, and you're down, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're at the bottom again. 
like this. But living a life of grace, living a life in the slipstream of the Holy Spirit is like living life on going up and up escalator. Yeah, you're going to get tired. Yeah, you're going to get beaten down once in a while and you fall like, oh Lord, I just fall trusting you. And you wake up and you're only even higher. That's, that's the kind of life that Jesus has for us. When he says, I came that you would have real life, I came that you would have an abundant life, that's the kind of life that Jesus came. So uh, I encourage you tonight, don't take notes. Some of you uh, take notes, some of you whatever, just listen. Uh, I sent Mike, I sent the media team the notes here. You can just get those, the verses and all that stuff anytime uh, that you'd like. So it's actually a command Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, I want you to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. That's part of the Great Commission, is is make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. You know, it's one thing to teach people to obey uh, what the commands of Jesus are. It's another thing to teach them to obey. It's one thing to teach your kids what the rules are. And it's another thing to teach them to want to obey the rules. Okay, I want you to brush your teeth. All right, it's the rule. I have to do it. But your goal is for them to want to brush their teeth. Your goal is for them to want to finish their homework. Right? And so our goal is not to just have to do these things that Jesus said, but we want to do these things to live a life that pleases him. And we're not going to do that in our own strength. John chapter 20. Uh, Verse 19, that Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. (laughs) I I always picture Jesus stepping up behind Peter going, peace be with you, like this, like like this, and they see a ghost or something. He goes, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. And again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Were they baptized in the Holy Spirit at that point? No. Did they receive the Holy Spirit at that point? Yes. There's, there's, a, there's a different. Were they saved? Yeah, they were saved. Jesus died for their sins. They believed in him. Jesus was resurrected. But there was this separate thing. But then he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 1, we pick up once... Uh, When he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. As I told you before, he's saying, wait, all right, wait. And John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said those words. A lot of times we say, baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's not about, yeah, it is. It is, several times. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore a kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, but you will receive power. That's the dunamis power of Almighty God. That's the explosive nature of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, enables us to see the the sick people healed, and enables us to live godly, victorious lives, like Terry was saying, and, and enables us to be his witnesses. We need the strength and power the Holy Spirit provides. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a lot of preaching about that. That means from where you are, out. Go from here, out. That's what you do. And so 
Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, says this. I love this quote. If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. I think there's a lot of truth in there. So Ephesians 5.18 that Terry referred to, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the grammar there is present tense and ongoing. That's constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you buy a car and you drive it off the lot and you're so happy, and then, and then a couple days later you, you call the, the dealer and you say, I'm so upset this car doesn't work. It was brand new. It doesn't work. And they go, well, did you put gas in it? No. Well, you not only have to fill the tank, you have to keep filling the tank. And someone said, why do we need the Holy Spirit? It's because we leak. Christians leak, all right? That's, that's called life. And so we need the Holy Spirit. I don't want me coming out of me. I want the Holy Spirit to come out of me, all right? So number one, the Holy Spirit... Uh, it's difficult describing the Holy Spirit because we're finite beings, beings and he's infinite. Uh, we believe in one God, eternally existent, in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so uh, persons is probably the best word we have. They're, they're, the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, and the Spirit's not the Father, but all three of them are one God, eternally existent in three persons. The Son is the same as the Father. The Father is the same as the Spirit. The Spirit is the same uh, in uh, subsistence and substance, but different in subsistence. So uh, one reason that the Trinity is difficult to explain is because it's a-logical. It's apart from our logic. It transcends what we can understand. So my friend Dudley Daniel said that theology is man's attempt to explain the inexplicable. Um, number two, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. And there's several things here, and I'm just going to go through these quickly. The Holy Spirit is involved in the new birth, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we received him in faith, and now we walk uh, with him by faith. And see, he will guide us into all truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Um, Beware when somebody says uh, that they're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, but are acting contrary to the word of God. If somebody says, I'm following the Holy Spirit, but then they're acting contrary to his word, you, you run as fast as you can. You will know. The Spirit within you will know. Uh, D, the, the Spirit sanctifies. 1 Peter 1.12, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and the Spirit has made you holy. That's this process of sanctification being made more like Jesus. As a result, you've obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So this sanctification means that we are being set apart for his use. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that holiness is not something we're called upon to do in order that we may become something. It's something that we are to do because of what we already are. We're saved. We're Christ followers. We're believers. We're new creations. Uh, This is what we do. E, the Spirit convicts. 
When he comes, he'll convict the world concerning uh, sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't condemn, he convicts. And there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The, the easiest way to, de, to determine, are, am, I under, am I being condemned? Because the, the, the enemy condemns, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts. Uh, condemnation drives you away from God, conviction draws you to him. There's a big difference there. And the Spirit comforts, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. A.W. Tozer says the Bible is a supernatural book and can only be understood by supernatural aid. You might have friends, maybe they're agnostic or atheist, and they've said, I've read the Bible. There's, there's, there's nothing on up here, spiritually, so they don't understand something uh, unless they are spiritually born. Uh, the Holy Spirit purifies. These are all things that, that the Holy Spirit does. Uh, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. That's this purification process. The Holy Spirit builds confidence, Romans fifteen thirteen. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us. See why I said don't take notes? Just enjoy this. He does so many things for us. We're so thankful. Uh, enabling means that we, uh, something is possible from what would normally be impossible. So a couple years ago in our church, uh, someone had a word. Uh, there's some, somebody that says something wrong with their wrist. It was a word of knowledge. That's the Holy Spirit working. And someone raises their hand and they said, I've had this cyst, this hard cyst in my wrist for about 30 years. And then they go over and pray for it. And then it's, it's, it's almost like a knuckle was sticking, you know, a hard knuckle was sticking out of their wrist. And they go and pray for it and it's gone. Or, or the guy in our church uh, six months ago who had stage four uh, prostate cancer. I think the normal PSA level... I'm, I don't know what it is. It's something like eight. And his was about 70, the, the levels. And we prayed for him, prayed for him. A couple months later, it was down to in the 40s. Just nothing other than prayer. And then he got this treatment that was available. And then a couple weeks later, he's down to the normal is eight, and he was at five. And now he's gone back for another test. He was down at two. And the most uh, recent one, he was at 0.5, just half. Uh, and it's amazing what God uh, can do. And so those things are not possible in, in the Holy Spirit. Or, or when my friend Russ Doty and I are, are in Germany uh, quite a few years ago now, and we're prophesying and praying for people through an interpreter. We don't know these people. We don't know anything about them. And there's a lady there, and she comes up to be prayed for. And I started uh, praying for her, and I just saw a picture of her with a baby in her arms. And she's a great mother, so I said, God just wants you to know that you're a great mother. And, uh, you know, he's pleased with that. And, you know, just the simplest of things of the Holy Spirit enabling. All of a sudden she starts crying. You know, I don't know what it is. And through the interpreter they go, the doctors just told her she can't have kids. She can't have children. And this is a heartbreak for her. And she was wanting comfort. And then I prayed this over and I said, listen, that's what I saw. So Terry and I, Terry wasn't with me on that. We go back a year later and this lady comes up to me with a three-month little baby in her arms. Those are things that the Holy Spirit does that are not possible 
but he enables us uh, to do the impossible. And so uh, let me talk about the uh, gifts of the Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit brings and gives gifts to us. To even talk about that, we need all that stuff that we just talked about. I mean, we just flew through a lot of scriptural foundation for the Holy Spirit. And um, so I, I um, told you a bit of my story. And uh, Terry and I have had the privilege of being involved in, in different um, outbreakings and moves of God. Our parents were both part of the Youth for Christ revival. It wasn't a Holy Spirit revival, but there was you know, lots of hundreds of thousands of young people coming to the Lord in the 1940s and, um, and, and uh, getting involved in their campuses and a whole uh, youth movement, a whole new set of songs and, and worship and praise and those kind of things. And our parents were part of that. So they, they kind of got excited about that. And they just wanted to continue it. That, that was a little bit of our struggle. But then we were involved in the Jesus movement in the early 70s where actually millions of young people around the world uh, came to Christ. And that's been uh, just over 40 years ago. We're waiting for another uh, movement like that. And, and then to see the charismatic renewal in the... In the uh, um, late 80s, or mid-80s to late 80s, where the Holy Spirit was being poured out on Catholics. Can you believe that? Catholics getting filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and using the gifts of the Spirit. That's amazing. I think God does stuff just to shake us up because we think we know it all. You know, when I was, when I was in my early 20s, I knew everything. I knew it all. I had it all figured out. Everything fit perfectly. I thought, this is great. I'm a big person now. And I had all this stuff figured out. And then when I get a little bit older, I go, I'm looking at it from this perspective now. And I go, hmm, this is true too. And I get a little bit older and I'm looking at it from this perspective. This is true too. Uh, Don't be too quick to just put God in a box and say, okay, God, I've got you figured out. So God will pour his spirit out on Baptists. He'll pour his spirit out on young people. He'll pour his spirit out on Catholics. He'll pour his spirit out around the world. There's moves of God happening around the world. is amazing right now. And so God is free to do whatever he wants. And so we don't want to get caught up in style. Really, we don't. Some people will worship God one way. My dad would freak out if he came in my church right now because we have drums and a bass and a couple of keyboards and bongos. They're not called bongos. I don't know what they're called. And, and uh, just real exuberant worship. My dad, worship was a piano and an organ and a hymnal. That's it. That's godly. That's the way Jesus did it. And uh, do you know that uh, Martin Luther... John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, three great names in Christian history. They all lived about 100 years apart, 1500s, 1600s, and 1800s. And uh, they all had different theologies, and they were part of different movements. They all had one thing in common, though. You know what that was? Spurgeon, Wesley, and, and Luther. None of them would allow musical instruments in their sanctuaries. They all said the instruments, pianos and organs and harpsichords 
were instruments of the devil. They all said that. They got caught up in style. And so here we are, we, we think, you know, really? The godly way to do it is meet in a Christian school gym with some blue chairs. And somebody else over here might say, no, a Christian school gym with green chairs. Or, you know, we're going to have this kind of worship, or we're going to have this kind. The Holy Spirit is not about style. We have preferred or or preferences. And sometimes, here's what we do. We attach a moral connotation, a moral superiority to my style, the preferred style I like, and the way I do it is godly, and the way you do it is not right. I'm just talking about styles. I'm not talking about foundational truths. And so we want to be careful uh, we don't want to get caught up on, on style. And so I, I want to see the Holy Spirit's presence in our meetings. I, I want to be like Paul who said, I want to know God. I want to be full of this Holy Spirit. I want to enjoy all uh, him and all the gifts he has to offer me. I want to be totally enraptured with him. I don't want to hold back one bit. However, if any time I start giving preeminence to my preferred style... The way we act, the way we dress, the way we talk, the words we use, the the instruments we use, all those things. Anytime we give preeminence to those over and above the Word of God uh, and the clear teaching of His Word, then we're potentially uh, treading on harmful doctrines and ways. So, number four, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. I love that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this should be common to us or, or familiar to us. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Why are you given uh, spiritual gifts? For the common good. For one, to one is, is given through the spirit of the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. We have a friend, his name is Alex, and he is Greek, and he, he wasn't a Christian, but he always hung out with us because he was a nice guy, and we were having a prayer meeting once, and we were marching around this field praying for, for something, and, and all of a sudden, Alex started following this other guy. His name was Ed, and he started staying real close to Ed, and, and all of a sudden, uh, Alex fell to his knees in the middle of this field and started crying out, saying, oh God, oh God, and, and he wasn't a believer, but Ed had been speaking in tongues, And he didn't know it, but he was speaking perfect Greek to Alex, who was right behind him, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord Almighty. Isn't that amazing? And um, don't put God in a box. It's amazing. Uh, To all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Listen, if it's not centered on Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. It has to be centered on the love of Almighty God because 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, a lot about the gifts of the Spirit. Paul puts the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, in the middle. So we work and move and and speak out of love. So um, let me go down to some things about the gifts. First of all, 
A, the gifts are given by God. The gifts of the Spirit, they don't come from us. They're given by God. Uh, if we're talented, it's because of Him. But if they're spiritual gifts, it's still because of Him. Um, B, the gifts are given by God for, for uh, us, to us, for service to others. God gave us those gifts to serve others, not to build our own kingdom or to start a ministry. I know guys that prayed for one person, they got healed miraculously, and they start a whole lifetime of ministry based on that one miracle. No, you never saw in Scripture the Apostle Paul Ministries Incorporated. You know, it was never about Paul. It was always about Jesus. So um, there's gifts. The first kind of gifts that the, that the Lord gives are charisma gifts. These are in Romans. Uh, no, these are, um, these are a divine gratuity, a spiritual endowment. These are the whole list of gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm mixing myself up. Charisma gifts are from Romans 12, not 1 Corinthians 12. These gifts are who you are. It's sort of your temperament, and you can't really change these. And you could be uh, prophesying. That just means people who speak the truth. They're truth tellers. And it could be teaching. These are people who give long answers to short questions. And these, it could be the ministry of giving. It could be those people have the ability to make money and give large amounts to the kingdom. It could be mercy. It could be serving. It's, yeah, everybody gives, and everybody has mercy, and everybody serves, but these are things that people have to do. That it just floats their boat. And um, the, the word gift is used as charisma. Uh, other gifts are encouraging, leadership, hospitality, speaking, helps, administration, celibacy. So I'll cheer for that one. Uh, and creative skills. Those are things. And so here's some questions about uh, the charisma gifts. Who has them? Everyone. Everyone has some of those or a combination of those. How do you recognize the charisma gifts in your life? Well, are you grumpy or energized when you use them? Say if you're serving behind the, maybe you've done this before. You're in the kitchen, two of you are washing dishes, one of you is whistling and humming and praising the Lord, and the other one is going, oh, I wish I was out there. I don't like being there like this. Where are you energized? Are you grumpy? Or are you happy about what you're doing? Because all of you can find a spot where you're energized. Maybe you enjoy helping people, and your gift is mercy. Maybe you enjoy uh, giving or leadership or teaching. Um, what are we supposed to do with them? We're supposed to use them well. We're supposed to faithfully administer them. You can recognize them which way the grace is flowing. Which way is the grace flowing? Here's a good example. Suppose you have a little uh, church. Uh, you got 30 people. You're just starting a new church plant. And uh, Cousin Susie's up here singing. And Cousin Susie doesn't really sing very well. All right? And so she's singing. She's using her gift. But which way is the grace flowing? Is it flowing from up here out here? Or is it flowing from here, there, all right? Which way is the grace flowing? That's how you can tell um, where your gift is. And when we do, you want to administer them well. Don't neglect them, Paul says to Timothy. Don't neglect the spiritual gifts you received. Fan them into flames. The second kind of gifts are doma gifts. These are out of Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These are people. They're gifts to the church. 
uh, to Christ's body and his bride. Then um, they were their gifts to the church to build up and equip the saints. Then the phanerosis gifts. This is the ones of the Holy Spirit. These are a manifestation. All these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are... Um, someone once said that they're drops of grace for a suitable time, for a suitable purpose. For example, I've prayed for people before and they've gotten healed instantly. And I've prayed for other people and they don't get healed at all. And I've prayed for other people and they got worse. So where does the healing come from? Not me. It's the Holy Spirit. Am I going to stop praying for people to get healed because some don't, don't get healed? No, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep trusting God for those things. I'm going to keep using those. So um, they're for a particular time and a particular purpose. So we have the phanerosis gifts, all these ones, word of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles. Uh, miracles are circum, circumventing nature. They go contrary to nature. Joshua puts his hands up and the sun stops. That's a miracle, all right? Uh, God circumvented nature. Um, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is mostly personal. It's you, between you and, and God. That's why we call it a heavenly language or a personal language. And uh, speaking in tongues privately for your personal exhortation is not the same as speaking a message in tongues to the church. A message in tongues to the church must have an interpretation, the Bible says. And so the elders are the gatekeepers that will guard that. But all of us, while we're worshiping together, you can start singing in the Spirit. You're not giving a message to the church. You're just worshiping God between you and between Him. Um, so, uh, let's get through the application of the gifts of the Spirit. First of all, the gifts of the Spirit. Miracles, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, those things, they don't reflect maturity. Sometimes people go, well, I speak in tongues, so I must be mature. All right? 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the church that that was written to was Corinth, and Corinth was extremely immature. They were out of control. That's why Paul wrote this. So just because the Holy Spirit is working in, in these miraculous ways, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are super mature people. Number two, the gifts of the Spirit should be eagerly desired. We really, really should cry out to God and say, God, use me. Let your Holy Spirit use me, particularly prophecy. And prophecy is three things. It's strength, encouragement, and comfort. Uh, that's straight out of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14. And Paul desires all of us that we would uh, exercise the gifts, especially that we may uh, prophesy. Number three, the gifts that are given to you are for the benefit of all. They're not just for you, they're for all. And so it's not about us promoting ourselves, things like that. And number four, this, I love this one, the whole body is responsible to judge uh, the manifestations. And you're thinking about just in a church meeting, right? How about your connect group? If somebody prophesies over there, the whole group there is to judge those and to, to make sure because the Holy Spirit's working in everybody. 
And if there's a general consensus, like an immediate, uh, there was a prophetic word this morning, everybody goes, yes, like this. And, and uh, everybody rises up to that. That's the Holy Spirit in all of us confirming that. But if all of us go, mm, something's not right there, that's the Holy Spirit telling us, no, like this. And the, hopefully the elders will get up there and just bring some correction. Maybe the person has great intentions. They're just, it's just not coming out right. So... And in verse 29, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. That's the others. We're the others. If you're a Christ follower and the Holy Spirit's in you and you've asked him to fill you. So uh, number five, in our meetings, things should be done decently and in order. And, and that's what Paul brought to the church at Corinth. So I know this is a lot tonight, but you guys, you guys are or staying, staying alert and, and following this, I encourage you to get the notes. I want to say this at the end here, and then we'll have a, a prayer time. The charisma gifts, that's prophecy and teaching and giving and serving and mercy and leadership, those kind of gifts, those the Father gave to his children. The Father gives good gifts to his children. The Doma gifts... The son, that's Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The son gives good gifts to his bride. And the phanerosis gifts are the gifts of the spirit. The spirit gives good gifts to his co-laborers. Isn't that great? That We, we just get all kinds of gifts from God uh, on every level. And we use them all for his glory. So how do you, how do you get the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, you fathers, in Luke 11, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you desire all that God wants for you, and you've never experienced the fullness, the Bible uses fullness, falling upon, coming upon, baptized with, it's all the same thing. That means I am giving you everything, God. I don't want you to just move into my living room. You know how we all keep our living room on the neat side for company? But we don't want them to look in the closets or the cupboards or the garage, right? When we invite the Holy Spirit in, we say, come in and search me, every part of me. I want you to have all of me. Every nook, every cranny, every cupboard, every drawer, under the bed, everything, under the rug, all of it. I, I want to give my life to you completely. Come, purify me, clean me, come and fill me. I want to be so full of you, God, that there's nothing left of me here. And when I represent you, it'll be, it'll be Jesus. So I want to encourage you, right now where you're seated, just pray. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I, I, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for forgiving my sin. I thank you that you've made me your, your follower. Tonight, once again, I say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Imbue me with your Holy Spirit. Surround me just like a rock is thrown into the water and just completely surrounded. God, we want to be totally surrounded in and through, all around with your Holy Spirit. Fill me once again. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can be an effective witness.
in my sphere of influence. I can't do it in my own strength. Holy Spirit, please fill me so that I can lay hands on the sick and see people recover. Fill me, Holy Spirit, so that I can love others like you've called me to love them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We love you, God. We depend upon you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Stevie. Wonderful word. Taught by a teacher, for sure. And church, um, the thing about the Holy Spirit is um, we mustn't be afraid to step into what God has for us. He, he'll never give us, as Steve said, something to hurt us. And, um, and so I want to encourage you this week. You know, he said, if, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those to, to ask him in your personal life and so on? It's interesting that when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, he came as a dove, gentle dove, not a crow or something to harm us, but a dove. And doves are very tender and so on. And so he knows where you're at. He knows he's not, you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But when we, when we pray, as we saw in Luke 11, we pray believing that he's going to give us what we ask for not going to harm us. He's not going to hurt us. He just wants to empower us so that we can live um, a life worthy of him. And um, so I pray through this week that you'll just meditate on this. Uh, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, um, we've just done a series or we can, one of the elders can come chat to you because he is there for us. He lives, if you are born again, you already have the Holy Spirit within side of you, but he now wants to empower you for witness. So thank you so much for coming out. Thanks, Steve and Terry. It's been wonderful having you here this week. And uh, go and be a blessing. Go and be a blessing wherever you go. God bless you. Please stay for coffee. And um, we'll see you next week. God bless William.